I want to feel vibrant, healthy, and alive right up to the last minute. Mm. I don't want to be living the last 10 years of my life, or the last five years of my life, going to doctor's appointments with a bag of pills. I ain't going to do it. Right. And I know my diet got me into the situation where I have to consider it, but I'm going to do everything I can. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And my friend today, you are here for one incredibly inspirational show. Because on the show today, we will be catching up with our old friends, Bruce and Mindy Milray. Now, Bruce was diagnosed with prostate cancer nine years ago, and it was shortly after that diagnosis that be- and it was shortly after that diagnosis that he began to study. And he learned all about nutrition and diet and how the food that we eat plays a critical role in your overall health, and for Bruce, his battle with cancer. And so from those studies was born an epic road trip. Bruce and Mindy now travel the country in an RV that is covered from front to back with enormous fruits and vegetables. These pictures are huge. And so what is their goal with this wellness wagon? Well, it is to pass on everything that they have learned throughout their journey. It's nearly a decade of knowledge all rolled up into one day to wellness. And so we're going to hear more about Bruce's story and their ups and their downs And how Bruce says that nutrition and diet have helped him out while the others around him weren't as fortunate during treatment. And we're also going to get an update on how he is doing since his last appearance on the show. Lots of updates there. And you know, one of the things that the doctors told Bruce and Mindy was that their love life would pretty much be over. So when Bruce was diagnosed with cancer, the doctor said, eh, it's probably not going to work anymore. But these two, married for all of these years, they are still like a couple of newlyweds. And Mindy, she has authored a new book all about that, and she calls it The Plant-Powered Penis. So we're going to be getting into that as well. And we're going to hear from Dr. Steve Niebuhr when I revisit a conversation I had with him about the science behind erectile dysfunction and how our diet isn't just causing blockages around the heart, but it's also causing blockages elsewhere that can let you down and leading to complications in the bedroom. So we're going to be talking about food science and ED science with Dr. Niebuhr as well. So this is a big show. Trust me when I say that it's a fun show and it is most certainly an inspirational show. And all of that begins right now 
with Bruce and Mindy Milray. Welcoming back a couple of familiar faces here on the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll sitting across from two people who spend most of their days in a wellness RV. This is a big old camper that is covered in fruits and vegetables. You can basically see this thing from space and it just screams (laughs) health. Bruce and Mindy Milray, welcome back to the show. How have you guys been? It's been, what, six, seven, eight months since you were last here? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. It does. It goes by quick. And I know that you guys have been super busy working on some new projects. We have. Yes, we have. Uh, Not only are we continuing to spread the word of evidence-based nutrition in our wellness wagon, we live in it full time. We have been for two years. We'll be doing it again this year. And we'll probably be living in that RV for the foreseeable future because it's so much fun and we're having a wonderful time. We only thought we were going to live in it for about a year. We really did. And then we moved back into our home. Well, the people who live in our home don't want us to come back because they love it so much. And we (laughs) don't really want to go back because we're having such a great time. And when we roll into an RV park and we can talk to one or two people and they ask us what we're doing and we tell them and, and they have questions. I mean, it's worth it. Oh, that's a reality yeah. show right there. I would yes, just love is. to see, such a like, show. just hook up a GoPro and, like, <laughs> just see the faces as you pull into the RV yeah. park, right? Our goal is that RV parks all across America will be whole food plant-based by, you know, 2025. That's a demog- all of them. That's a demographic. <laughs> that, I, I, that is a demographic <laughs> that has not embraced the no. message. No. Not yet. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I mean, you guys are... You have to be pioneers in that arena, right? I mean, we I, are. We're yeah. the only ones doing well, it, as far as I know. Pioneers, we're the, yeah, we are the only <laughs> ones. Yeah. So we're the only ones yeah. doing it. And uh, RVs are not the bastions of health. RV parks are certainly not the bastions of health. Not yet. Not yet. It's not 2025. But we do. That's we don't right. say anything to anybody. We don't make any proclamations. But our RV is very loud. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, from a visual perspective, if don't, you know what I mean. Don't so, I know it. Uh, we like to think of it as a flower that will attract people and interests, you know, or at least questions. So we don't say anything to anybody unless a question is asked first. And if somebody says, what are you doing? It's a great opportunity uh, uh, once you've been invited into their world to tell them what you do. So we provide them with literature from PCRM. And we let them know yeah. that we're a nonprofit, and we just focus on evidence-based nutrition, and we're here to help. If they and have at any many conferences, too, it is our booth. So we will drive it right into the trade show floor, mm-hmm. open up the sides, have stew cooking, and Bruce will be lecturing right outside of the door, or people come by and want to know what we're doing, and it's it's. Really it is a great fantastic. trade show booth. We're yeah. taking oh. it to a lot of the, yeah. the uh, veg fests around the country, and it's... It's always a highlight. I bet. <laughs> you know, I bet. Like, if you wait for somebody to come up and ask a question, you don't necessarily approach them. More often than not, I'm sure when you're at the park, you get questions. We do. Yeah. We do. How do those conversations typically go? Um, you know, I'll tell you, the majority of the conversations that have I, I've had have been with women. Uh, I think women are always generally more, a little bit more receptive to uh, looking at alternatives and new ideas. And so most of the people that have uh, come up to us at parks have been women, and they're usually in our our age of 50 to 70. Uh, I've had a few that are dealing with breast cancer, so they had a lot of questions specifically about breast cancer, and uh, I stay within my scope of practice. I don't prescribe anything, but I do provide them with uh, resources, again, like PCRM, and point them in the right direction to where they can get good, solid information without any industry influence. And again, just like everyone here at PCRM, we firmly believe that 
you're not going to get the truth. If there's a pitch coming for shakes, potions, or pills at the end of your <laughs> lecture or discussion, you're not getting the truth. You're being sold to. Right. And if you wonder about the obesity epidemic in this country, I think Dr. Michael Greger described it best in his new book, How Not to Diet. It's very simple. It's called marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And no you look kidding. at the total number of calories that are produced by the food system in this country, and it keeps going up and up and up, and it's going somewhere. It's not yeah. hard to understand. No. <laughs> I, I think that people, by and large, aren't really cognizant of how many calories they are consuming. I had a friend just yesterday email me because the restaurant by him finally put up uh, calories on their menu, and he goes into this burger restaurant, and he's like – that meal had almost a thousand <laughs> calories. And I was like, what do you think I've been trying to tell you, man? It's like, come on. He's like, I had no idea. Most people don't. Yeah. It's very difficult to. Ca- well, first of all, we like to, if you're getting out a calculator to start your diet, you're probably headed in the wrong direction to begin with. Because we talk about food as a relationship. You have to have a relationship with food. Oh, yeah. And we teach um, primarily in the fitness industry where the relationship with food is very skewed. Mm-hmm. So they're, they, they do bring out the calculators, and they are talking about how many macros you have in a day. And, and our program, One Day to Wellness, is completely opposite that. Mm-hmm. It really is eat from, from nature and everything pretty much will take care of itself and and love love food and the, the relationship is is everything and and in the fitness industry it's it's okay you have to eat so much protein before you work out well the fitness means- industry has been co-opted by industry yes. and yeah. it's really unfortunate and many's my what we're trying to do is just take it back <laughs> with science and remove the the marketing, but it is it's tough. Well, because- Bruce is taking it back because he's on a, a food panel, uh, a nutrition a nutrition sorry not food panel. Yeah, a nutrition I, panel. I sit on a couple of food panels uh, throughout the year. At just this past weekend, and um, with you've some converted all of those dietitians, <laughs> have you? Oh yes. I started out there are five people on this panel that travel around the country, and I was the only. Well, I'm currently still the only strictly plant-based eater, I think, on the panel. Everybody else is a dietitian or a, um, a professor. And uh, I said, my only goal here is really just to eat, convince all of you to do this. And I think I have. They all pretty much promote plant-based eating now. They don't necessarily all do it. Right. But they certainly understand the benefits. But they definitely are 80 to 90 percent. Yeah. But these, are, these panels are definitely the most popular uh, programs of these fitness. Con- I mean, nutrition is a big deal right now right not only but specifically in the fitness industry so the timing is good for us to help get this message out and uh one of the things that came up i'll just mention it recently this past weekend is one of the panelists said well i think that uh, and she's a traditional dietitian wonderful person i love everybody on this panel uh and she said well if you're going to eat on a strictly plant-based diet you have to be very you just needs to be well planned and she talked for 10 to 15 minutes about how it has to be well planned and I finally said, well, and how well, hard it was. It, first of all, it's not hard. It, yes, you want it well planned. But are you telling me that if you're not going to eat a plant-based diet, you don't have to plan it well? And what are you saying? That you just, oh, you just eat whatever you want on the standard American diet? I said, that just makes absolutely no sense. I said, you should plan your diets regardless of what you eat. But if you look at the science, the balance of evidence clearly suggests this is the best way to do it. We're not here to tell you what to do, but if you want to come along and we're doing it, come with us because it's a great ride. Does she have a retort? 
She has. <laughs> she might be listening to this. <laughs> Hi, if you are, so Halia, hello. <laughs> uh, but uh, she, uh, I mean, she's been a, she's been doing this for much longer than I have, and she coaches thousands of people. She has thousands of clients, and I'm not. A, I don't coach individuals because uh, that's just not what I do. And uh, I, I consider myself more of a, almost a journalist and an educator. And uh, her comeback is always: we have to be able to, uh, we, you know, you can't make large changes to large, you know, it just takes time, and you have to work with people in order to be able to move them along the change continuum. And that's certainly true for most people. Sure. But I always say, and I always quote Dr. Bernard: "It's like you're going to quit smoking because you know smoking's bad. What are you going to do? Cut down from a pack a day to half a pack a day and torture yourself?" You can do that, and that's basically what all the traditional dietitians continue to recommend in the traditional world that we live in is, like, just eat less food, and here's a plate to make you eat less food. Well, we've had that around forever. It doesn't work. You know, how many different plate designs have come in to reduce your food consumption while the weight of the country and our health can, health goes down, weight also, goes up, But also, when you're worse. presenting something, you want to be liked by everyone. Oh, for sure. You know, yes. that's the thing. And so when Bruce is on the food I'm not always on this liked. nutrition panel, <laughs> Bruce is pretty much telling it how, how it is. And, of course, in our program, too, it's meet people where they are and small steps, small results. But still, if, that, if, that's, if you're a dipper instead of a diver, you are going to go in that route. You're going to take your time, right? Right. Um, but we really encourage people, the more you do, the more you'll see, the more you'll stick, the more it'll stay, right? Um, and we don't mince words. So, we, yes, we show people how to coach others and how to, how to have people listen without being pushed away or pulled away. Um, and a lot of other presenters really take the middle road because they want to be – um, they don't want to. They don't want to feel like and they they're don't want to offend people. anyone. Because a lot of people regard if you're just even if you're just presenting summaries of research studies, you're going to offend people if the results are not what they want to hear. Of course, and I know that you know that as well. Oh sure. I mean, I'd be curious. I mean, you made a, a drastic transition. Little, in your bit. life, <laughs> when you, small you transitioned to eating, I mean, did you just do it? How was your transition? Was it? Was it pretty straightforward? To go... Plant-based? Yeah, it was kind of uh, all the way in overnight. Uh, I've always been an mm-hmm. all-or-nothing kind of guy. That's how I quit smoking as well. It was mm-hmm. just like, you know, just yeah. boom, that one example. day I'm done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, and so, like, that's me. But I, I also do believe, like, it somewhat needs to be individualized. But in my heart of hearts, and this is just my opinion, not speaking from science, in my heart of hearts, I honestly believe that you are more likely to have success if you just rip that Band-Aid right off and Mm -hmm. just go all in uh, than you would if you just kind of dip your toes a little bit Mm -hmm. and you use that half a pack of cigarette analogy, you know, and torture yourself along the way. And we have seen this. With One Day to Wellness. People yeah. come to the program and they, they'll email us that night. I've cleaned up my pantry. I've gone to the store. I've completely transitioned to everything that I'm eating. Yeah. And then we'll hear from them six months later. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Then we perhaps will see someone else that's come to the same program. Oh, yeah, I tried to have Meatless Monday and it was okay. So from our experience, we are seeing people that dive in 
they rip the band-aid they off. They do, absolutely. That's it, man. And, but we will meet anyone where they are. Sure. We will ca- and, and Bruce City doesn't counsel people. We counsel people every single day yeah. on whole food plant-based eating and, and how, to, how to easily or not so easily transition to to eating healthier and the reasons why and all of that. They have well, to find I shouldn't say I, count, I don't yeah. counsel, but you we don't. don't we don't tell yeah. people what to do. We don't prescribe, but we say if you are interested in doing this, we can. Here's what we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really. And, and here's we what we walk, did. And we're the only and ones. And we're that really, really happy. Walk. And the food is fabulous, mm-hmm. and we feel great. It's. It ain't that hard. It's all right. It's all right here in your mind. You just have to flip that one switch. Yeah. It has to be a a, a switch. It ha- for me, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was like, okay, I've read enough. I'm a science guy. I get it. Yeah. And now I have to figure out how to systematically remove all the disease-promoting foods I've been eating all my life and systematically learn how to eat vegetable, grains, and fruit. Sure. And that's what I did. But you're a stats guy. So you read the book, The China Study. You went on a whole food plant-based diet. Your cholesterol was lowered in six weeks by 100 points. I dropped my cholesterol 100 points in six weeks. And, and that, that was, was That was what did it. My, being my own lab rat really is what convinced me. But if he had dipped, he wouldn't have seen that huge mm-hmm. loss in numbers, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have stuck. Right. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I, think I think you're probably right. There's a huge psychological component to it, though. And I talk about this on the show from time to time, is that food is a, I mean, it is a relationship. And for a lot of people, it's the strongest relationship they have ever had and the strongest relationship they ever will have. Mm. And so now you're basically asking somebody to break up break up with right. that person. And that is a scary prospect. How in the world can I ever live without bacon? How can I live without my steak? I love my steak so much. Or, you know, um, just whatever the case may be, cheese. I mean, how often do you hear that? I could go vegan except for the cheese. Except yes. for the cheese. <laughs> you know? However, Chuck, if you are are taught how to eat I, I cook well. So our cooking and coaching day, I mean, if I bring out black bean brownies or my pesto or my hummus or anything that tastes like cheese that really isn't cheese that's really healthy, mm-hmm. people are blown away. You don't have any they're, of those black bean brownies Oh, my on gosh. They're <laughs> so good. My chickpea cookies. The chickpea and my cookies bro- are incredible. Oh, they're we, so we, good. We're going to have to make some. We'll because, bring something. Because for cool. my new they're, book, they're I've amazing. had to really, really play with amazing. recipes. Yeah. And, and I've made some new recipes that have just yeah, been phenomenal. Yeah, has come up with some great. Oh, my gosh. And the black bean brownies, they taste Oh, they're delicious. So people think in their mind that they're giving something up. However, if they're given an alternative that's just, that's better and they give it a couple tries. You know, like maybe the first time it's like, oh my gosh, it's not as sweet as I had anticipated or whatever it was and then the second time they try it and and they say oh my gosh, this is better than the one I had before. And I feel better. It's, it's, there's no going back once you know. Oh, you mentioned your book. We're going to get to that in just a second because both of you have been busy, you know, typing, typing away, <laughs> churning out the pages. But um, you work so closely with the fitness industry. And I'm curious, the last time we spoke, Game Changers, that documentary had not yet come mm-hmm. out. What changes have you seen as far as uh, acceptance and interest in plant-based dieting have you seen in that arena now? Huge. Well- I've noticed that fewer things get thrown at me <laughs> at, <laughs> at lectures, especially when I pop up my egg slide with all the egg lovers in the give fitness up world eggs. on my tuna fish slide. That's it. Eggs are big uh, in the no, fitness industry. In all seriousness, it is, it's been like a light switch. Yeah. And yeah. it's been the, probably the best thing for us in our career within the fitness industry because we've been beating this drum for a decade now mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And although Mindy's very well known in the fitness industry, and um, because of my attachment to her, I'm pretty pretty well known within the industry now. You're pretty well known and now. I, I, it's, just, it's been a very difficult. It's been a fight. Yeah. And the fight has been with money. Because just like any other conference, when you go to, when you go to a fitness conference, just like you walk into a fitness club, uh, it's all about the money and who are the sponsors. And the sponsors are Candy Bar Company. You know who they are. Yeah. They're the major food, junk food manufacturers of the world and soft drink companies and everything that comes along with that. And it's at every one of the conferences. And it has nothing to do with research and science and has everything to do with money. Well, and I think so, like, so we're trying to change that. I think because of us, too, I think the sponsorship has changed. Because a couple of years ago, you would go to a conference in Dallas and you would see perhaps beef being represented. The Texas Beef Board always had a six, a giant six booth display where they cooked beef at this fitness conference in downtown Dallas. But now they're not there anymore because we really... We chased them away. Yeah, we kind of did. We kind of <laughs> Wow, look at you guys taking yeah. on industry. But also what's in the goodie bag that these fitness pros get, they're, they used to be full of just garbage, garbage bars and shakes and this and that. And now we've noticed not so much mm. because we lecture on nutrition at these conferences and we will say, can I see your goodie bag? Let's take a look at what's in your welcome packet. Mm. And, I mean, we, we don't mince words. We really don't. And unless, unless it's got some good science and research behind it, we can't be behind it as well. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last time that we spoke, we might have talked about, like, the, the arm's length ingredients list that are on some mm-hmm. of those bars and shakes and things of those yeah. nature. You know, and certainly there was a time in my life where I never even bothered to flip anything over and look at what it was I was actually eating. Oh, my God. You know, I'm sure, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, that's still the case. Well, of course. Well, for most of Mindy's career in the fitness industry, she was sponsored by Power Bar over the years, Gatorade over the I mean, we, I'm not sponsored by not, them anymore. Our, our, our entire family <laughs> ate basically oh. whatever came in the truck from the sponsorship. Yeah. From the, I remember they uh, were all different colors because power of the Gator. Bar. You, you, you oh, Power Bar. Power. We just oh, ate I ate three Power Bars, bars a day. And, oh, yeah. I did. and then just about a year ago, I went back and I because I haven't eaten a Power Bar in a decade. No, and, the you know, Gatorade I need, protein I'm, bar or the protein. Just, yeah. I want to go take a look and see what's in it. And I, it's just. But just floor me. So I actually did a video and posted it on my YouTube channel. Oh, I, I, read, I read the ingredients of a uh, Gatorade whey protein. Bar. So take a look on YouTube. It's okay. Take, Let's take a look. Ten minutes yeah. to read all the ingredients. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's really funny. Send me uh, send me a link to that. Let's talk about your books because okay. you guys are, are a couple of uh, authors. Uh, Mindy, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Uh, just because I think that the title of this book just brings out the 12 year old boy in me and just makes me giggle to no end. And I can't even say it with a straight face. What is the name of your book? The name of my book is The Plant Powered Penis. <laughs> and I will tell you the preface of this book. Well, I've wanted to write a book for a very long time, but I really, there was no catalyst for, I don't want to write a book just to write a book. I had to have a reason to write a book. And um, as many, of your listeners from our last time here know Bruce um, has uh, advanced stage prostate cancer. Yes. And we've uh, we've been living with this for about nine years now. And, uh, well, a lot longer than that before, actually, it was discovered. And all of the doctors told me, get ready. There will be no sex. There will be no anything. Based on the treatments. Based on all the treatments. Based on um, the the prostatectomy and then the two rounds of radiation and the two rounds of hormone treatment and the round of chemotherapy. 
Well, I'm here to sit, I'm sitting here today telling you that the opposite is actually true. And I needed to talk about it because we know that food, of course, is medicine. And, and the power of plants really helps the penis. So my book is all about, and also, I have three boys, and I have three brothers, and I have a husband and a father, and a lot of male dogs throughout my childhood that I had. So I've always, I've always been surrounded with penises. So besides the, the poignant parts about the book and, and how really to help with, with sexual dysfunction, um, and I, I have lots of stories because yeah. my penis perspectives in each of the chapters, and I have references and resources. And so not only is it very educational and inspirational, but it's also extremely funny. So it's not only for men who are suffering from erectile dysfunction, but it's also for the women who love them and their penises. And it's also for anyone that just wants to read the word penis a lot of times throughout a book. I mean, you can't read it and not, you know, crack half a smile at the yeah. very least. It's just a funny word. Yeah. Um, you said a lot of research went into this too, right? A lot. And so I have a lot of references, of course, to all the research studies. So if I post something in the book or write something about something, there is, there is research to go along with everything. So I have a whole resources section and, res and research um, based on everything. I am, not, I am not a penis expert. So I, 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 I mean – to certain company sitting next to me, I am. However, <laughs> I am, I, you know, I, I didn't study penises in college. However, I was surrounded by them and I love them. And I love this man right here who has a very willing willy because of the foods that he eats every day, the mission that he's on, the purpose that he has, and the passion for not only his purpose and mission, but also for me. And um, I talk about that in the book. I talk about partner relationships. I talk about how to transition to eating a more healthy diet right. and what it does for you. Because not only does erectile function occur because of low blood flow to the area oh, and those function. erectile dysfunction. Thank you so much. He helps me. He's also mm -hmm. censored me a lot. <laughs> um, but it also could be obesity. Well, maybe because you're not exercising enough. Well, that's my specialty exercise. So I have a whole exercise component in the book as well. Cool. Um, maybe it could also be a calling card for atherosclerosis that's coming in a couple years yeah. or cardiovascular disease. I mean, if you have erectile dysfunction, that is a knock on the door for much worse. So Michael Greger says ED is early death. Yeah. yeah. And that absolutely is so. We, we did a show uh, not too terribly long ago on uh, ED, and it, it just kind of struck me. I was like, you know, it really wasn't even that long ago that I, I realized how much of ED is tied to diet, you know? And like oh, so you, you've so. got blockages down there just as you would around your heart. Right. I don't think that the average guy, back me up, like thinks that and, and mm -hmm. realizes that. Like a blockage mm -hmm. is a blockage and you can have a blockage anywhere. And if you've got a blockage down there, that's as dangerous as anywhere else in the mm -hmm. body. Well, the only way they're going to know about it is that they listen to your podcast or they seek out unbiased scientific information because we know how powerful – the ED market is. It's got, I don't know what it is. It's got to be a multi-billion dollar market. Well, it affects oh, everyone. Sure. And, and men as young as 30 are showing up with ED. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and if you think about 
diabetes, diabetics, there's a lot of diabetics that have ED. Well, what's the, what's the root cause, right? There are a lot of obese men that have ED. What's the root cause? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of very sedentary men that have ED. What's the root cause? So you've got to go all the way back to what do you eat every day? Then that then can be the launching pad for not having diabetes and not having obesity and not having not being sluggish. I mean, I, I started one of the segments with Popeye. We've known since 1927 when the Popeye cartoon came out or 1924, whatever it was, that spinach is very good for building muscle. Mm-hmm. Well, when his biceps grew, what was going on underneath down below the belt? probably something pretty great but then you got wimpy on the other side that all he wanted to eat was hamburgers and he was sluggish and overweight and and so wimpy had ed wimpy had ed for sure olive oil was a you know was a happy camper that's fun that's a good analogy though like that's fun but that's a honest to god great analogy yeah that is, that is fantastic. Well, uh, that's my book. Yeah. Like, and, I'm, and I I'm think looking forward to this. On a much more serious note, um, which is very dear to us, is I did go through two rounds of hormone therapy. I've been through two rounds of radiation, and I have had the surgery, having my prostate removed that removes the nerves around that, that help give you an erection. And I, every medical professional we consulted said, you need to be prepared to understand that your husband is going to lose his ability, specifically with radiation. Mm-hmm. He said you'll see a degradation of your ability to maintain within the next five years. Mm-hmm. So watch it happen. And within five years, you're not going to be, probably won't be able to get an erect penis anymore without help. And I'm here to tell you that is BS. Wow. And it is all because of the food that I eat. My erectile, and I'm not, I don't want to. Oh, both. It's, 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 Bruce, it's, both. It's, it's every bit as good as it was when I was 20 years I old. I think it's better. It probably is. I think it's and better. I know. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've eaten the standard American diet. It gave me prostate cancer. It gave me high cholesterol. And it gave me erectile dysfunction. But also, I when think I it's... When I transitioned, it all went away. But I also mm. think it's better because we've been down the road of, you might not have it. Right. You know? So when you have had that experience or have had a... I mean, our our life is completely altered because Bruce has cancer. Sure. Right. Every the trajectory of our career, the trajectory of our thought processes, everything is changed because we know he has cancer, mm-hmm. and the cancer's not going away. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do with whatever time that we have? I mean, we could have forty, fifty years. We could have five. What are we doing now? So every time Bruce wakes up, and this is pretty much every morning, we've got. We've got some good function going on there. We don't take that for granted. I mean, like, wow. I mean, sometimes I'm like, dude. So I did a lot of research about things that we think, uh, but we don't think that anybody else is thinking that, right? Like, how in the world do they do all men have erections when they wake up in the morning? And is it a thing? And so I, I researched all of that. It's a very special episode of the. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, how, how are you doing? When last we spoke, you were monitoring your levels, seeing how things were. Um, there was a little bit of an increase but, you know, that we saw happening with uh, one of your numbers. Where yeah. do things stand with you right now? Uh, I've been off. I haven't had any treatment for the last two years. Uh, at the end of two years ago, I did a combination of hormone therapy and Zetigia, which is a new chemotherapy drug, uh, and 
Hormone therapy shuts off your sex drive. It's not like you want to have sex and you just can't do it. It's just like you don't care. Right. And so you don't, it doesn't matter. It's up to your partner. It does of matter, right? Of course. But uh, I, my message is it goes away. But once you go off, if you can eat properly, it will come back. And it does take some time, but it will come back. But I haven't had any treatment for two years. I feel fantastic. My PSA does continue to tick up. It's currently at 2.63. I'm going in for a prostate-specific membrane antigen scan. This will be my second one at UCLA. This is a test that's done at UCLA and UCSF. And uh, it's the most sensitive test to see if they can find uh, metastatic disease or to see if there's any remaining uh, cancer within the prostate bed. I've already had it done. They found a small hot spot two years ago, a year and a half ago, and uh, but I had a biopsy and they weren't able to find any cancer. And I was like, yay! Oh no! I didn't know how to feel. Yeah, like, right. well, they didn't find cancer. That's good, but it's there somewhere because the PSA keeps going up and I don't have a prostate. And if you don't have a prostate, you don't have PSA. There's only one source of PSA and it's coming from cancer. And so we'll try to find it again this year and uh I've had great consultations from my mentors and my medical and, uh, and nutrition team, and I'm just going, I'm going to get the test done, and I'm not going to make any decisions about what to do until we've been able to do good, thorough research, because my book, um, A Plant-Powered Approach to Prostate Cancer, is really, uh, it's just all about how important it is to transition to eating a whole food plant-based diet when you've been diagnosed with product. I mean, certainly you'd want to eat, you want, everybody should eat this way, but once you get that diagnosis, uh, there's a, enough research and the research is in my book to demonstrate you would be crazy not to get on the program yeah. after this diagnosis based on the, the clinical research and the epidemiological research that we have to demonstrate uh, a plant-based diet's ability to slow the progression of prostate cancer. I would imagine the book writing that, like, that has to be kind of like your opus. You know what I mean? Like, yes. this is kind of like your gift to the world. It's, uh, Dr. Well, Michael Clapper said you were given cancer for a reason, which uh, I do not believe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it does. It gives me purpose, and I, I feel I've never been so passionate about something and, and what I'm trying to do. So I sleep really well at night. Uh, I still have cancer. Uh, it's progressing. It could very well kill me. But I will not, regardless. It, you know, whole food plant-based nutrition could extend my life or slow the growth of the cancer. Even if it doesn't, I would never change because I would. I always want to feel like this. I want to feel vibrant, healthy, and alive right up to the last minute. Mm. I don't want to be living the last 10 years of my life, or the last five years of my life, going to doctor's appointments with a bag of pills. I ain't going to do it. Right. And I know my diet got me into the situation where I have to consider it, but I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm going to use medical technology just like I have in the past. My confidence in medical technology is, and the, and the research shows, I mean, if there, I think there's been 50 new chemotherapy drugs developed in the last 20 years. And if you go back and look at the efficacy of these drugs, uh, the life extension for you know advanced cancer, it's on the order of weeks or months. Mm. And you know come, that's not progress. Right. And we know people can make tremendous progress if they can change their behavior. That's what my book is about. My book is about hope with cancer, and it's a wake-up call that if you've been diagnosed, 
it's not time to nibble around the edges for behavioral change. It's time to dive in, like you say, Chuck, rip the Band-Aid off and make drastic changes and start making a difference in your life. You will not be disappointed. And the research supports it. But it's been tough for him writing this book. I would it imagine. It's emotionally exactly. training. I, I live because in a world he, of cancer. Well, because lo- he would love to, every once in a while, put it on a shelf. Right. But he can't. Right. I mean, we have a That's deadline. Right. And, I lecture and, about it. I write about it. I read about it. So it's a... But it's okay. Right. It's what I'm, it's what I'm compelled to do. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I think I'm in a good position. I, my goal is to get this book in the hands of the 2 million men in this country that are walking around with prostate cancer right now and are fearful. And the only, the only guidance they get are from medical professionals that have no background in nutrition. And we know nutrition is the primary factor that gets men into this situation. We know it because we can look at population studies. A great example is Japan. Look what happened to Japan. Some of the lowest rates of prostate cancer in the world, they eat primarily a whole food plant-based diet. Maybe a little bit of fish, but not much. Mostly uh, plants and potatoes, right? And what's happened in the last 15 years? You can watch the rates of prostate cancer beginning to go up, not only in metropolitan and, and more popular areas in, or more populous areas in Japan, but we can see it when people move from japan to the united states their disease risk comes right including prostate cancer within one generation comes right up to where ours is number one Mm. usa is number one for prostate cancer for breast cancer for diabetes for heart disease for everything and it's hard not yeah to to, to address it so i just i want to get the message out there and I, i i I've talked to so many men that they live their lives in fear, just like I, and I continue, I have to battle it every single day, but just being fearful, and prostate cancer is generally a slow-growing cancer, so it gives you a lot of time to be fearful. Right. And, I mean, the good news is I'm nine years into being diagnosed, and I'm still here. Yeah. I mean, I'm very fortunate. Right. I honestly don't think I'd be here if I didn't change my behavior. I think my cancer would have accelerated much more and I certainly wouldn't feel as just vibrant and energetic as I do mm. now. And so that's my message is regardless of your – you want to feel as best as you possibly – you want. You do not want to leave any money on this card table. Right. This is when you want to make sure you know how to spend the money and don't go into your first meetings horrified and scared and let fear make your decisions and not rational scientific science. Man. And it is hard it, uh, as an individual. I'm sure when it is. you get that call – Ration, uh, everything, rational thought, and I consider myself to be a very rational, uh, strategic, and plotting thinker. It goes out, I might as well be a two-year-old, but can't make any decisions. And also in my book, Mindy has a caregiver's perspective for each. It's basically a chronological, his, it's my story. It's mm-hmm. what's happened to me and the behavioral changes I've made since I've been diagnosed with cancer, how I've dealt with it from an emotional standpoint, from a nutritional standpoint. Uh, the book is not about medical technology, but I do provide a lot of information about trying to help men make the right decisions about picking medical teams. Mm. And for me, one of the most frustrating, because I I was found out about plant-based nutrition essentially the same time I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I made the horrible mistake of assuming all doctors would know about this. Because this is one of the most powerful tools we had, maybe the most powerful tool to deal with it. They don't know. No. They don't know. The best specialists in the field don't understand nutrition. 
And I'm telling you this because I've talked to all of them. And I've asked them specifically. And nutrition ain't on the menu. No. Yes, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, there are 130 classifications for medical uh, reimbursements. Nutrition doesn't come up mm. in, that, in those categories. The National Institutes of Health has over 300 categories. The National Institutes of Health in this country, right down the street, not one of them is called nutrition at the National Institutes of Health. Right. There's not a nutrition department no. at the National Institutes of Health. And so, well, I mean, kind of as you're saying there, this is not limited to just oncologists. I mean, this no, is across the medical mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. spectrum. Um, I, I, you know, I'm thinking back to some other people who I've spoken with who have uh, battled cancer and adopted a plant-based diet. And one of the common themes that uh, has come out of those conversations is that they handle the treatment so much better. You know, right down to guys not losing their hair if they're, you know, having chemo. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're, you have a, what I would consider to be a realistic outlook here. You know, you're considering everything, yes. all of the possibilities. Of course. Um, yeah. But I, I also know that whatever course you take, this diet, as you said, will benefit you. Like, yeah. there's, thank you so there's much no downside to up. it. Yeah. Because that really is another mm-hmm. strong theme. It may be the strongest theme within the book mm-hmm. is that forget about your long-term outcome. Well, I shouldn't say forget about it. You always want to keep that in mind. But you want to be in tip-top shape when you're going through these treatments. The treatment that I went through in Sarasota, Florida, for radiation, targeted uh, E-beam radiation or electron beam radiation to, to my lymph nodes and my abdomen, uh, was coupled with probably 10 different drugs that made me feel so awful. I don't mm-hmm. think it was the radiation. I think it was the drugs that I was taking. It was I'm the not, drugs. I'm not going to name them all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I can tell you, uh, compared to the other people, that I, we are all in the same waiting room every day, mm-hmm. doing the same thing every day. I'm powering through. These guys are like, I'm on the toilet. I'm throwing up all night. I, I just, I'm just miserable. And I'm like... You know, it hasn't been easy for me, but I'm doing all right. I'm eating three meals a day. Yeah. and But they're all plant-based. Mm-hmm. They're all oil-free. And I'm doing okay. Yeah. And on Fridays, we went. We moved to Florida for this treatment for two months. And on Fridays, I would pick him up. And I would take him by the hand to the airport and say, we've got a conference this weekend. We have to go. And he, that's the last thing that he wanted to do. would drag me sick I would dog to the airport. I had oatmeal in my bag. I had <laughs> snacks. I said, we're going. And I think that's what saved him. Yeah. I do Keep too. Keeping busy, yeah. Keeping busy and having that purpose and going and lecturing. And when you're in front of people lecturing, you, you can't be sick. You have to be up. And he was. He pulled himself together. But you can't. It, it, the message is clear. I mean, it's just me talking, but I've got test, a few good testimonials in my book, and I can tell you, uh, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's the most powerful thing you can do. I'm convinced it's more powerful than any medical intervention that you do, and I'm not ruling it out, and I'm not suggesting that anybody rule out medical intervention. You want to take advantage of all the cards on the table, and you don't want to leave any money on the table. Oh, for sure. And everybody's leaving this money on the table. Uh, there was, uh, I'm going to segue real quick because uh, there's, uh, I also lay out what I do now. I uh, eat a whole food plant-based diet without any added salt, oil, or sugar for the most part. And uh, I don't drink alcohol for the most part. And I fast for five days a month when I can, based on guidance from Dr. Michael Clapper. Uh, 
anybody should do this. I feel at the end of a five-day fast, eating this diet, regardless of the treatment, and you do that for five days, you just feel like a newer, younger, more powerful person, and there is no way that's not helping you battle your cancer, at least in my situation. I'm not saying it's going to be the same for everybody. What I'm saying is what's the downside? Right. There is no. What are the side effects of doing this? They're all positive. What are the side effects of hormone therapy, radiation therapy, surgery? We know what they are. They're mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. Right? There's only upside to this. Just do it. And yeah. that's not, I'm here to help people that want to. But also fasting before chemotherapy and after. There's a lot. Based of, on research yeah, by Dr. Based. Walter Longo at USC. is very powerful. And what you said earlier about the the treatments and, and the side effects of the treatments, you're, you're so spot on. Because that's all you hear from, um, that's what we heard from most of the doctors is, here's the drug, here are the side effects. Get ready, yeah. right? Yeah. So here's there's a, there, here's a bowl of fear, and there's no feeding. and there's no alternative, right? And and then I I would do so much reading early on, and I was so fearful because I mean we we've been married for 37 years, been together almost 40, and we have a tremendous fabulous relationship, and I didn't want anything to change, of course, um, but all that I heard was everything will change, his personality will change, he will gain weight, he will not want to be around anyone, he will um, be lethargic. I mean all those things. None of those things came true because he did not have the side effects that um, that I read about and that he read about. But, it, but men um, and women that go through treatments, they're told something by their doctor and then that's their new, that's their new normal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they don't think they have the power over anything different than what their doctor says. So And doctors are great. I mean, they really are, and they mean so well. But they're going by what they know and what's in their toolbox, and perhaps they don't have this tool in their toolbox. Well, think about how much we've learned over the last 10, 20, 30 years, and then flash forward, you know, after the three of us are are long gone, so like another 100 years Mm -hmm. or so, think about how advanced medical science will have come at that point, you know? I think that uh, we're really on the cusp of a, a, a whole new horizon here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And it, we have hit the tipping point. Yeah. It was helped by the game changers. It's been helped by the internet. It's, it's been, been, been helped by, by the, you yep. and PCRM. And it's, it's a good time to be in the space. And I think we can all lay our heads down and get a good night's sleep. No, we're doing the right I thing. I think just in the last two or three years, the, oh, shift, yeah. the mm-hmm. shift is definitely, ch- or maybe in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's accelerating uh, big time. Um, and that's kind of the, the privilege of doing this show is like being able to, you know, have that hard data to be able to track the number mm-hmm. of people who are listening and, and who are interested in, in I'm these so types jealous of topics. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love hard data, data man. You love, we could do a podcast with oh, RV. I would just love to interview all these, just all go, these oh, luminaries. That you but you did. But for Bruce's well, book, he's got all that. the luminaries in his book. He's yeah. got T. Colin Campbell and, and, um, Michael Gregor yeah, and Dr. Neil Bernard, all the interviews. Yeah. Gordon Sachs yeah. and yeah, Clapper, and yeah, it's, yeah. Been, a great, it's been a wonderful yeah. experience. Really so that's nice. going to be a big part of his book. Good is all, are all of these interviews from great. So, so there's sections with uh, with the, mm-hmm. um, a caregiver's perspective because that's really important. You know, oh, this yeah. is something that's not talked about much, but Mindy's got to put up with my mood swings and uh, my fears and everything else, and it's. I think being the caregiver of someone long-term who's dealing with cancer is probably 
a much more difficult position to be in because that person really want, loves the other person and really wants to help, and they just don't know what to do. Mm. They're just left with, uh, you know, they don't they don't even get dealt any cards about how to deal well, with Well, and taking it personally. I mean, if they, you know, if Bruce is down and he, you will be down. I mean, your PSA is rising and there's cancer in there and you don't know where it is and how can you not sometimes be down, right? Sure. Well, here's the person that loves you so much and is with you, and and maybe they're pushing you a little away, not meaning to, or speaking a little, you know, um, negatively, and they're not meaning to. It's so important to stay on track and on target and know that it's not you. That's a huge huge component Mm -hmm. of this book is really from the caregiver's perspective is, hey, take a breath. Take a breath. Know that this will pass, that you are there as support. And the other thing, too, is I tried so hard in the beginning to be the cheerleader. You know, you're going to be great. It's going to be great. And he didn't need that. He just needed me by by his side just to say nothing, you know. So and, and that navigation is hard, too. When to say something, when not, when to give a high five and when to be sullen. I mean, really. And, and we certainly, I certainly don't want to trivialize or make a small, there are men in much worse shape than I am dealing with prostate cancer, and I feel for them strongly. Uh, so you know, not everybody, I'm I, I, not speaking to, I, I know there's a continuum of how people are suffering from mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I want to be respectful of that for everybody. But I really just want to get the message. There's no downside. There's only upside to doing this. It's easier than it's ever been. You will feel better. You will you will be able to deal with your disease better, and you will feel in command. Yeah, I think and that's, that's the, the most important thing. Yeah. It's like I, I finally was like, you know what? My doctors aren't in control of my health, and the baseline nobody knows what. No. To be completely sarcastic, my experience, nobody knows what the hell's, nobody really knows what's going on in the world of cancer. It's right. like, let's try this. Let's try this. Well, make sure we document and do a, nobody knows. And Bruce's doctor was blown away when we told him that he could have sex. And he's pretty darn good. And I think Bruce is like now a test subject. You know, he's like every time Bruce comes in now, it's like, okay, well, what's going on now? You're a heck of a case study. That's for Daggle sure. Case study. Yeah. That's what I am as, uh, a, as a case study. And I am now an authority on penises. Uh, so I if have you come n- oh to me if you want to know anything no about. That's such no a whole other there. show. That's such a whole other show. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, when did when did the books come out? So the, it's so exciting. Um, probably now, if you go on theplantpoweredpenis.com, uh, you can pre-order the books right now. So. That's exciting stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations on the release. Um, and everything goes to our nonprofit. So our nonprofit is one day to wellness.org, and that helps fuel the mission of us going to churches and schools and community centers and and, um, and spreading the yeah, word. Yeah. So of we what have PCRM that. PCRM has to say. Absolutely. So at every conference. We, we provide the literature that PCRM provides us. And uh, every we're just mouthpieces, really, for our educational partners. And we go pretty much everywhere that anyone wants us to go. And we do have our nine-hour one-day to wellness course. And then we have our cooking and coaching course as well. Awesome. Yeah. And you can see pictures of the wellness wagon on that 
website, right? Yes, you can. I'm telling you, if you have not seen this thing, you need to take the time and go see that this is the most incredible looking RV (laughs) that you can see from space. And and, (laughs) it it is just amazing. Uh, I love the way that you guys decided to wrap that. Uh, And let's wrap with this. Um, You told me that you have a son who's in the film industry. He's got a little something something coming out here. Oh, something, something. Okay, his name is Drew Milray, M-Y-L-R-E-A. And he just, um, he's a director in Los Angeles, and he just um, released his first major motion picture. It's called Spy Intervention, and you can um, buy it on Netflix or uh, what, Apple TV? We went to the premiere two weeks ago uh, in Beverly Hills, and it's it's a fun movie. Yep. Spy intervention. Spy intervention. Keep talking. I'm going to pull up Netflix right now. So it's a spy here. spoof. So it's it's a lower budget. Um, it, it's just it's something. I don't think that when you watch it, you've ever seen anything like it before. It's quite different and and very fun. And we're very proud of him. He did not only the directing, but he also did the editing for it, and getting great reviews. Yeah. And he's working on another movie right now. He is. So he hopefully is. we'll have a famous uh, Hollywood film. Well, I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. But that is, that is exciting stuff. Yeah. You have the wellness wagon. You have a, a film director. Like, you guys are – y'all are interesting people, man. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are very interesting. You only live one life. Right? Hey, man, Chuck? man. Get it all in, man, right? Get it all in. Uh, Bruce, Mindy, Milray, thank you guys so very much uh, for taking the time to stop by today, check out the studio. Your apron is sitting up that right over our, there. We have three different styles of aprons as well. I have the broccoli. Yeah. What, what is missing from so the collection? So we have um, pea pods, which are blue, and then we have red, which is avocado. Avocado. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. And then we have our fruit and vegetable t-shirts. I know. Well. I'm loving the t-shirts. Yeah. They go with the book themes. Yes. I love it so much. Yeah. So tomato is for the lycopene content, and tomatoes to help with prostate. And mine, of course, is well, we don't really have stiff, to self, <laughs> stiff, fresh carrot, Chuck. It's, it's a willing it's, carrot. It's, <laughs> it's self-explanatory, is what yes. it is. All right, Bruce and Mindy Milray, thank you guys. Thank, thank you, Chuck. you. Right about now, you may be saying to yourself, hey, self, I wouldn't mind picking up a copy of Mindy's book. And let's be honest, based off of that conversation, if there's just even a sliver of immaturity to you, there's a good chance that you might enjoy checking out that page turner. I know that I absolutely adored that book. So anyway, we have included a link to purchase that book in the episode notes. So check that out right now if you're listening on Apple Podcast or really whatever service it is. Just go ahead and click on that link and you can pick up your copy of the book. I highly recommend it. It is filled with a lot of fun stories and just chock full of information. So it's very well put together by a very, very entertaining woman. And um, they are hoping, by the way, to release Bruce's book sometime in June. So stay tuned for that. And we will let you know as soon as that hits the proverbial virtual bookshelf. And Bruce and Mindy, they are keeping busy as well. They have a lot of online workshops coming up, including one on May 19th. And this is the 101 Ways to Transition to a Plant-Based Diet Workshop. 101 ways. I mean, really, if you can't find something on that list, man, you either need to look harder or just come to terms with the fact that you may be the pickiest person ever 
So May 19th, 101 ways to transition to a plant-based diet. And then Mindy is also doing a body weight boot camp on May 20th, the very next day. We've also included links to those courses in the episode notes. So now let's talk a little bit more about ED and the science behind an embarrassing problem that strikes as much as 40% of men who are 40 years old or older. In fact, a study of 1,400 men finds that those 50 and older are three times more likely to experience erectile dysfunction than men who are between 18 and 29. So why is that? Is it because the body just gets old and things wear out? Well, I wanted to revisit a conversation that I had with Dr. Steve Niebuhr about that. Because men, our arteries, our critical arteries for performance, they can get clogged just as much as those around the heart. And all too often, guys, we're doing it to ourselves with the food that we're eating. So let's take a deeper dive at exactly what it is that we're doing, and more importantly, what we can do to help. So let's let's learn about those old birds and bees, man. Yeah. Uh, erectile dysfunction. Let's start with the functional part. And uh, I always like it when you come on because we really dive into the nitty gritty of things. Yeah. Yeah. Arousal. What is it? <laughs> really? I mean, I know what happens. I know what yeah. it is. But really, what is it? Yeah. That great place to start. Look at you. You're turning red already. <laughs> not, I knew you were you going to say totally that. You are totally turning red already. <laughs> I was just thinking back to, to high school uh, sex ed class and how everyone would just kind of sit there and giggle a little that bit. That's the best. It's also a little warm in here. Is it, it is. It is. is. It? <laughs> All right. No, we're going to keep it serious. No. We're no, we're not. not. I know. I know. Uh, arousal. Ara- arousal is a mental and a physical thing, right? Uh, yeah. I'll it say. is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to some boring topic, you're probably not going to get... Some arousal going on, right? Never really happened in math class. (laughs) Right, exactly. So we can all think of boring things that are clearly not going to cause it, but then there are things that we know will cause it, right? Right. You know, probably don't need to give examples of those. Everybody's got their thing. And it's different for everybody anyway. Absolutely, clearly. Um, So you got to have the the mental aspect of it too. Right. And actually on that note, I just want to say sometimes people come to me and they claim, you know, I'm having some erectile issues and we say, well, do you do you have the arousal part of it? Like, do you are you in the mood to do things? And if they say no, we kind of stop there and say, well, if you're not in the mood, it's not going to happen, mm. right? So I just want to kind of put that out there. So it's a physical thing, it's a blood flow thing, and it's also a mental thing. So first off, we got to have the mood, right? You got to right. have the the lighting and all that stuff. <laughs> the candles, uh, the candles, yeah, yeah. So you get, you have to want to to get into that mood, yeah. All right, uh, and then you need the physical aspect of it, and that's where I think. Well, I was going to say that's where the fun is, but that, you know, I meant the physical, like how the body works as right. being the fun of it. Right. Um, your, your brain sends basically what amounts to signals down the nerves to try to increase blood flow through the penis, mm-hmm. right? We have uh, what amounts to like almost like sponges inside the penis. I'm going to use some weird analogies today, I think. I, I, uh, in my 36 years on this earth, I never knew that. But think of what a sponge does. Soaks right? things Soaks up. Soaks stuff up, right? Yeah. And so when the, the penis becomes erect, it's actually filling with blood. And that's what keeps it kind of firm and able to do what it 
potentially needs to do. And so when that happens, you're actually you're increasing blood flow to the penis. And the blood is staying in there and it's filling up these sponges. They're called the corpus cavernosa or corpus cavernosum. It's a singular term. But basically, think of it as sponges inside the penis. So they fill up with blood and then kind of like the door shut, you know? It'd be like blowing up a balloon and then tying it. Locks it in. Locks it in, right? Sustained. Exactly. And so the blood stays in there for as long as it needs to. You don't want to keep it in there too long. Think of those commercials you've heard, right? Four hours and you're in trouble. Yeah. I think that that's the cutoff point, right? Yeah, generally. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it stays in there too long, then you're, you're not getting circulation there. Uh, which you need obviously right so then it's a problem you got to go into the hospital and uh, let's not go down that that road (laughs) you got to kind of break the doors open at that point ready for that discussion steve right exactly um but yeah so your your brain tells the penis hey get ready you basically increase blood flow and uh close the doors and yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I've I've very much simplified that topic, but yeah. there's some chemical mediators and things in the bloodstream that help improve uh, blood flow through there, help keep blood flow there. Uh, and I think we're going to get to that in a minute or so. We probably, will. Right? All right. So we, we know what it is. We know how it's supposed to work. Yeah. But then where does a problem come in? So like what then would cause erectile dysfunction? Yeah. Well, so one could be the emotional aspect of it. Like we said, desire issues. Um, but potentially more commonly would actually be blood flow issues. So if you're trying to fill up the penis with blood, but you can't get enough blood in there or you can't keep the blood in there, that's going to be a problem. So I want you to think of it like, like plumbing, like, right. the, like the pipes in your house. Um, let's say we always use, like to use the, uh, the sink example, right? So let's say you're trying to fill up your sink to wash some dishes or do something like that and the the faucet is really narrow like a really small flow is coming through the faucet it's gonna take a really long time to fill up that sink right um and so a similar thing happens with the penis if the blood vessels are narrow it's gonna take a long time or potentially too long where it'll even be effective or where it won't be effective i should say uh and the penis won't be able to fill up with blood or it won't be able to keep the blood in there mm. and so you're wondering how does that happen right yeah Well, think of where else you hear about blood flow issues. The heart. In the heart, right, exactly. So if you're not getting enough blood flow through the heart, people tend to experience chest pain, right? Because your heart's a muscle. It's trying to pump blood. It's trying to keep oxygen flowing through your body. It's also trying to supply blood to itself to keep oxygen going into itself. And so if you're not getting enough blood flow into the heart, it becomes painful. And in the same way, when you're exercising a lot, let's say you're, you're trying to run as fast as you can, if you've gone past the point where you can get enough oxygen into the muscles in your leg, your legs are going to start burning, right. right? You start building up that lactic acid in there. And so same thing happens in the heart. You get chest pain. It happens in the penis where you don't get enough blood. You don't really get pain there. You just don't get the quality erection that you're looking for. Such a simple answer. For yeah, such right? Such a complicated <laughs> problem, man. It's kind of a roundabout answer, but... Yeah. Uh, so yeah. blockages. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to, and it makes yeah. sense. You're talking about <laughs> the sink analogy is so good. You know, if it's a narrow faucet, right. Trip, trip, trip. It's going to take a long time yeah. for that sink to fill up. Right. right. You don't have all day. You really don't. Not usually. No. Yeah. Um. So we're talking about blockages everywhere. Then I would imagine that ED and heart disease kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Huh? Yeah, such a good point. As a, a fantastic point because one of the one of the markers of heart disease in, let's say, a younger guy is actually erectile issues. 
So if you're a guy in your 30s or 40s, you might still be able to go out and go for a run, go to the gym and work out. But if you're having erectile issues, that could mean that there's actually uh, cholesterol and plaque building up in the heart, which is not a good thing, right? Ooh. So it could be like a, a warning sign, warning flag going up. Right. Or not going up. So. Sorry. <laughs> I, I got you, man. Raising the flag. I got yeah, it, man. Yeah. Um, so if 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 the artery that is blocked mm-hmm. is closer to the heart, right? Are there arteries closer to the the penis? Yes. Areas? Okay. There is the penile artery. Th- that's a thing. That is a the, thing. The penile. I guess yes, it makes sir. sense if, if you need so much down there. Yeah. Um. But if if it's not the penile artery that's clogged, mm-hmm. I mean, the person can still have ED because there's blockages elsewhere in the body. Yeah. So. Don't think of it specifically as blockages, because if the blood flow is completely cut off, it, nothing. Clogging. Right. So it's like a narrowing. Narrowing. Going there back to go. the sink, your sink is draining or the water's coming out the faucet. It's just not the flow that you right. want. Right. Right. Um, and and um, the arteries in your heart are actually much bigger than the arteries in your penis. Right. So if you're going to add a little bit of blockage or narrowing somewhere, you're going to get the effect sooner with the smaller arteries, right? Because there's less room. Sure for blockages or for narrowing. Makes sense. So you'll feel it or you'll realize it in the penis before you realize it with the heart. I think a lot of people honestly don't realize that it is more than just the arteries around the heart that become narrowed uh, when we're talking about cardiovascular issues. I really didn't realize that honestly until just a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm I'm into my 30s at that point. Yeah. I mean, cholesterol doesn't care. Somebody's going to make a meme about that, I'm sure, right? <laughs> but cholesterol doesn't care. It's, you're going to make the meme? Okay. <laughs> but uh, no, it goes everywhere. Everywhere blood flows, you get cholesterol, right? If you're eating high-fat foods, high-cholesterol foods, um, you eat cholesterol that goes into your bloodstream. It travels throughout your body, uh, and it potentially gets deposited everywhere, whether it's your heart, your penis, your brain, your liver. Uh, I mean, literally everywhere. We just realize it. Um, in those certain spots because that's where we have where it has the biggest effect. So like we talked about the chest pain or the erectile dysfunction or or potentially dementia, vascular, you know, brain vascular problems. Yeah. Riddle me this, Batman. Yes, sir. What happens to blood pressure and heart rate? Is that affected yeah. at all when somebody has those narrowings and they start to get aroused? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you narrow a pipe, the pressure tends to go up to try to get the fluid through the pipe. So if the pipe is your artery, your heart tends to increase output to try to force the blood in. Right. So, so yeah, blood pressure does tend to go up. Yeah, I have heard of cases maybe then, you know, where people will be in in the midst, in the throes of passion, uh, as it were, uh, and, and they go out that way. They, they have a cardiac event right yeah. then and there and off they go. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a heavy intensity exercise a lot of the time, you know. It could be uh, perhaps akin to running or lifting weights. Mm. So the same way somebody could have a heart attack going out for a run or at the gym, which we hear about from time to time, same thing could happen in the bedroom. Yeah. Don't don't ask me to quote the numbers, but I did a, a segment uh, on the local ABC affiliate a couple years ago for Valentine's Day okay. where I talked about just how many calories are burned yeah. in the bedroom. Yeah, and it really is. It's like going to the gym, only a lot more fun. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I I guess it depends. It depends on the person and it depends on the stamina. gym routine and stamina, Steve. I guess so. Stamina. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I can hazard a guess. Okay. At, at my next question and answer for this. But as the doctor, I wanted to see 
what you have to say All about right. this. All right. How does somebody on the Atkins diet, how is their risk for having problems in the bedroom? Oh, man. You're going to make some people mad with this answer here. Uh, that's not my job. My job uh, is just to ask questions. Well, you know, some people feel very passionately about the Atkins diet, about keto diet, about paleo diet. They're entitled. Um, let's, uh, let me just put it this way. If you're eating a diet that's that's high in meat, a diet that's high in saturated fat, we know that those types of diets contribute to dietary cholesterol, and we know that cholesterol leads to uh, cardiovascular disease. So, you know, I won't specifically blame the diet, but what you're eating can decrease blood flow to those vital areas. Mm. So there, I'm blaming the diet. You know, <laughs> there was a case study uh, actually that uh, our colleagues put out. Um, I can't remember when it was, but I know it was published in the Journal of uh, the American Dietetic Association. Mm-hmm. Studied a 51 year old guy, otherwise healthy, uh, but he had developed col- uh, high cholesterol, atherosclerosis, yeah. ED, only after going on the Atkins diet. Yeah. Eventually, uh, within a month, within a month, uh, his bad cholesterol had jumped like from 85 to 154, according to what was published here. And he then wound up in the emergency room with chest pain caused by, get this, a near total blockage of a coronary artery. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like he was on that Atkins diet for very long. I don't No, It doesn't sound like it. I mean, I don't know that that blockage built up in just a month, but it certainly right. wasn't helped by the diet. Well, get this. According to the case study, the same 51-year-old man, two months after discontinuing the Atkins diet, his health problems were resolved. Resolved. Huh. Showed um, no, no cardiac disease after, after the scans. So a uh, study of one. A case study. A case study. It's but still, it's study. fairly convincing, don't right. you think? It, it is convincing. Obviously, more study is needed. Sure, but, yeah, you know, yeah, right. Interesting stuff. You, you know, whenever you have a case study, you can't say, well, it's valid for the whole society. No. But, I mean, the guy wasn't doing well. No. And then he changed diet, started doing better. And we know from larger studies, uh, going as large as even the China study, where they looked at you know, close to a billion people, that diet really does make a big difference. Yeah. It makes a difference in heart health. It makes a difference in cancer risk, stroke, even uh, erectile function. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they actually mentioned that in China study, but you'd, I have to go back and reread it. Look it up. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about diabetes? Is there a link between ED and, and diabetes? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So diabetes is a chronic inflammatory disease. Um, you know, more type 2 diabetes is a lot more common than type 1. Uh, so we send, tend to see more people with erectile issues with type 2 diabetes just because it's a lot more common, obviously. Um, if diabetes is well controlled, so if you're keeping your sugars totally normal, you should basically be able to live a normal life like, like anybody else. Um, when the sugar is uncontrolled, so when it goes up high, uh, it often goes along with high blood pressure, goes along with heart disease. And that's when you run into the same issues. You can run into erectile dysfunction issues. Hmm. Um, you know, it's the, the sugar coursing through your, your veins and your arteries. Uh, you need a little bit of sugar, obviously, to keep you alive. But too much of it acts almost like a poison, damages the blood vessels, uh, and just creates inflammation in the vessels. Overall, yeah, 
what is the effect of a plant-based diet on erectile dysfunction? Again, hazarding a guess yeah. based off of everything that yeah. I've learned from doing this show yeah. since its inception, I would say it has a positive effect. Uh, yeah, I would say you're right. Yeah. I mean, the, the diet is everything. I mean, it's, it's really the key. You know, you're you're not just doing it for erectile dysfunction. You're doing it for overall health. Mm. So if you're improving your blood flow, you're lowering your risk for heart disease, you're lowering your risk for stroke, you're lowering your risk for cancer – you're increasing blood flow throughout your body. You're bringing oxygen into your, your organs, perfusing your muscles, uh, and you're also getting rid of waste. So all the, the products of metabolism that build up, all the old cells that aren't being used anymore that need to get flushed out, even cells that are damaged, even what we would sometimes call like precancerous cells, you don't want those things sticking around. You want to get rid of them, right? For sure. So you need good blood flow to get rid of them. It's going back to that kitchen analogy again. You need a good working faucet and you need a good working drain. Right? And our bodies are the same way. I have a sneaking suspicion that we will be hearing more from Dr. Niebuhr in the near future. Perhaps, perhaps now, even on the live show. Speaking of which, have you been watching The Exam Room Live? It's a brand new show, Dr. Neil Barnard and myself and other experts from around the plant-based community. We hop on there every weekday at noon Eastern on the Physicians Committee's Facebook and YouTube pages, and we break down all of the latest nutrition research, all of it in the name of good health, and we've been doing a ton, too, to stay on top of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we would love to have you join us tons of opportunities for you to ask questions. We would love to help get you an answer and we would love to bring you the latest nutrition science as well. And one of the questions, by the way, that we get so frequently is where can I find a good plant-based doctor? And the answer is the Barnard Medical Center. The Barnard Medical Center right now is accepting new patients. They're offering virtual visits right now on your computer. It's called telemedicine. I call it the 21st century doctor's house call. So to schedule an appointment and take charge of your health, log on to barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. That's barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. New patients are being accepted if you live in California, New York, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Missouri, Arizona, Colorado, Massachusetts, and Kentucky. A ton of places. If you live in any of those locations, pick up the phone or log on to barnardmedical.org and make that appointment today. And new locations coming online all of the time. So please stay tuned if you are in need of a good plant-based doctor that puts a premium on nutrition, the Barnard Medical Center would love to hear from you. And one of the dietitians there, the wonderful Lee Crosby, been on this show time and time and time again. Well, she will be joining me on the exam room live tomorrow. Well, actually today. Later on today, if you're listening to this on day one of the release, she will be on the exam room live. Noon Eastern over on the Physicians Committee's Facebook and YouTube pages. And also, while I've got you here, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really wherever shows are available, and hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating. Because not only then will you begin to receive every episode of the exam room podcast by the physicians committee automatically you'll also be helping to get this potentially life-saving information into the ears 
of someone who needs it the most. We can literally give somebody the best chance to improve their health. And all you need to do is subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. And believe me when I say that goes such a long way toward making the world a healthier place. My thanks again to Bruce and Mindy Milray, as well as Dr. Steve Niebuhr for joining us. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe and keep it plant-based. <laughs>